Hi, and welcome to Pacifim Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, that it will both challenge and inspire you. My Father, our Father, no respecter of persons, no shadow of turning. You are who you are, and you do what you do. We honour you. We honour you even with our requests. Because we believe you're the only one who can, the only one who will. We ask that here in this place tonight, You would meet with your people. Each and every one of us. Lord, we're hearing wondrous reports from all over the world, all over our country. Unexpected, unexplained things happening. Unexpected crowds, unexpected finances. Strangely, mysteriously, hundreds, thousands coming to you, hundreds and thousands being water baptized to follow you in our country, not reading about it, hearing about it from people we know, witness, eyewitness, Lord, do it again, do it some more. We, we know that you're with us and you're working in the most wondrous way. Dealing with things, preparing us, sorting things out, positioning us. Lord, we dare ask you for more. We pray, we pray for lives to be set free and delivered. For lives to be transformed. For people to be healed. We pray that the great darkness that is upon our land will be dispersed by the bright, shining light of your truth. Lord, we would stand in the light and we would walk in the light. And many would leave the darkness and come into the light. Lord, we don't just want to hear about it in other places. We don't even, we're glad to give you praise and worship because of what we're hearing and seeing. But Lord, we want it. We, we, I dare ask you, come. And in that we submit completely to your will. Your timing. Your ways. But according to your word, I pray for blessings on each and every one of us here. On us and our, and our families, oh God, right now. Because we know this is your heart. 
Praise God. Um, I, I want to continue speaking about prayer as we have been doing the last few Sunday nights. And, and so I'm going to read from Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 to 13, the pattern that the Lord taught us uh, that we should follow in our prayer. And, and of course it starts with that in verse 9, In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we've discussed not so much this one, partly this one but also in Luke we've discussed the opening verses for these instructions on how to pray several times recently. So I don't want to spend too much time on them, only just to remind us of the consciousness and the acknowledgement of the relationship that allows such requests to be not only heard but to answered. So, so that's literally what we're doing. Our Father, um, the opening verses of the Lord's instructions, he, he makes it clear how important it is to come from the basis of that, of that relationships. We have to be conscious of it and also uh, we need to acknowledge that and we need to move and stand in that if you, if, if you would. And so um, because it's that very thing that allows us to come and ask and also for us to be heard and also for us to be answered. And then from that comes an admiration of his name. And with the comprehension of all that comes uh, the willingness of a growing submission to him. And, and I've got to be careful of the words we pick because we've got to remember it's a journey, it's a process. It, it is a, um, a growing awareness of who he is that comes a growing sense and a growing willingness to completely submit, to bring everything to him, to submit to him, his purpose and his will. So that's the few couple of verses and we've spoke, spoken a lot about that. So these things though are places... With these things, with these understandings and this uh, mindset, it places us in such a wonderful place where we can now ask for. He says we can ask for daily provision. We can ask for forgiveness. We can ask for strength to face temptation. And I just want to talk a little bit tonight, just a little bit about each of those. The daily provision, Matthew six eleven. Give us this day our daily bread. There are those who would suggest that the bread Jesus is referring to is actually the word of God. And, and, and partially I believe they're right. And there's others who suggest that more specifically he's referring to himself um, as the bread of heaven. And there's even some who would get even more suggest, uh, more specific and suggest that he's actually referring to communion. And, and I think they're probably all right. Um, but I think we need to bring together all those understandings uh, and include them together, but realising that when he's talking about bread, he's literally talking about bread. And if we start to think about, I know he's speaking to us, I know he's speaking to through this situation to all eternity, but the deal is this, 
the people he actually sat down and was teaching in that day, in, to those people, in that culture, in that time, um, bread was pretty important. And so um, I, I think it'd be really right to include the things that have been suggested, but to also to group them together and say, Jesus is literally referring to our daily provision. When In that simple prayer. I mean, all the other things are, are true because uh, in our daily provision, we need that stuff. But I think to isolate the daily provision and to get so spiritual that we can't accept that words of Jesus as something he's willing to do daily is, is for us to fall in error. And we need. I need to, I really believe that what he's saying is you can ask for your daily provision from the bread right through to the word of God. You can ask him for daily provision. And, and I want to say that, and I can say that confidently, because we know Father is very interested, and even if I could use the word invested, in our daily lives. He actually does care. He is aware and involved and invested and working in every aspect of our lives daily. And so knowing how much he cares for us, we can come now from the, from the foundation of those opening verses and we can ask him for daily provision. And I believe with all my heart that he, he very much wants to deliver that, um, if we can ask. And so, of course, you know the famous verse, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that, we may exalt you, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And, and the wonderful thing about that word all is literally it means all, all our cares. If there's a need for provision in whatever area of our lives, I believe God's intention is to fulfill that need for us, is to provide for us. And so we have to come to a place in prayer where it's important we get the first few verses in, in, in place, but we have talked about them quite extensively in the last few months. But the deal is we have to then come from that foundation and, and understand that God wants to supply our daily provision. Whatever that is, if it's a loaf of bread, I'm so stirred by uh, what God's been saying, especially this morning, where we've been asking for crumbs and says, oh, because you've been asking for crumbs, we've, I'm going to give you crumbs. That's what you asked for. And so to, to actually be stirred up and challenged and start to ask for the loaf, but I want some butter on it. I want some chips and gravy with it. In fact, I'm going to go home for the whole meal. I'm, I want to roast dinner. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I realise that yes, in our understanding and in our humility, we have been asking for crumbs. But it's time to lift our heads and have a close look at the Father and the table he sets before us. Even in the presence of my enemies. Even when we're making... I hope you listen, Jennifer. Even when we're making... Having to make some hard conversations and some serious phone calls, God will provide. Even in the presence of my enemies, even though they can be apparently so huge and outnumber us, God says, no, sit back. I'm preparing a table for you. I'll meet your needs. Your daily provision is my joy to give to you. And so we need to change the way we think to get that. 
But I am convinced, uh, and it, and the truth is, I think uh, in my own personal life, because of the things that I saw and disliked, and and sometimes didn't understand, I had a knee-jerk reaction and went to the other extreme. You know, because you, you see things and you hear things and you watch things, and you go, "This is not right," and it's not right. But because of that, we. We go to the extreme and we think everything that looks like that must be wrong too when it's not. It's the heart of God as we heard this morning. As, I, I'm, I'm like, I was blown away this morning. I, I was just so challenged. And, and the, the truth is that wonderful verse where Jane explained the horrible, horrible man, king, ruler. Worst of 12 kings, did you say? And, and just wicked and selfish. And yet God says to him, Go and ask me something so big that when I give it to you, everybody will know that you couldn't have done this, that it had to be good. I've been really challenged by that. And, and, it, and I've got to be honest, there is a bit of a, uh, a wrestle in my heart, especially because I've seen the negative aspects of all that prosperity doctrine and all the horrible ways people have been manipulated to give money and we need to work carefully. But literally... The truth is that God wants to bless us and he wants to bless us in such a way that other people will see and realise, you know what, they're not that big. They haven't got that big a number. They're not that smart. They're not that wealthy. But look what God's doing through them. It's obviously that it's beyond them, but here it is. It's happening right, undeniably right in front of me. And so, you know, I, I think we have to get to that. Um, humble yourself. It's a very important word though. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time, in his time, according to his plans and his purposes, with his reasons, you know, all working together. Cast your cares on him because he really does care for you. He really does care. And so we can bring any provision requirements to him, request them, and he will hear and he will answer because that's who he is. The second part of that was forgiveness. Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And you know, we don't have to think about this too hard. He's talking about sin. He's not talking about my credit card balance. He's not talking about, a, well, I don't have one, but he's not talking about a mortgage. He's not talking about money you own, although he might be. But the deal is, when he's talking about our debts, he's talking about sin. Now, I want to read Romans 4, 1 to 8 to you. and But I am aware that um, this passage needs a lot of unpacking and deserves a lot more conversation. But I just want to briefly touch on it tonight so, so we can understand about the debt thing. And I'm not going to go too deeply, but please listen uh, carefully to the words. Romans 4, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 8. And he says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, not because of what he did, but because of what he believed he was righteous. Right. So now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but debt. That's if you're in the, in the law and you're under uh, works. He says it's a debt. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, 
His faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and, the, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That's the wages he's talking about. Forgive us, you know, our debt. Forgive us our sin. He's not talking about any money you owe. He's talking about the sin which is owed considerably. And, and I, I think if I read that right, it's a plural word. And forgive us our debts. But then there's the condition that follows it as we forgive our debtors. And so, you know, I know you probably already believe that we're not talking about financial debt, but we're talking about the debt of our sin. Um, it's one of them, I want to read one of the most clear, yet if I'm truthful, most unpracticed verses when it comes to forgiveness. And, and the troubling thing about this, that there's too many Christians who will grasp the first part and neglect the second part. Uh, let me read it to you. You know it already. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Just after actually the Lord's Prayer, it reads like this. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There's too many Christians who want to prove that the other person was wrong. Who want what they perceive as justice. And so while they're happy and glad to celebrate the forgiveness that God offers them, when it comes to other Christians, more likely than not, they want justice more than they want forgiveness or mercy or love. I've, I've just seen, you know, and you all know this because you've seen it, experienced it as well. But over recent years, I've seen it so many times. So many times. I, I remember, and, and someone should remind me of this, because this would be great in the, um, in the thing we did yesterday, the um, Save for Churches thing. I remember Jane and I, and I'm not going to use names, and please try not to guess who they were, but I remember a husband and wife coming to see us and, and reporting something. And, and I was a little bit hesitant at first. And they said, what, what should we do? What, what, what are you going to do? And I said, all depends. All depends. Are you talking to me? Because they didn't tell me they wanted counselling or advice or some action. They basically just wanted to catch up, right? So we were sat there initially as friends. And then this conversation came around to this. And, and, and they were saying, okay... What are you going to do about this? I said, are we talking now as friends or are you talking to me as the pastor of a church? And they said, well, both, but you're the pastor of the church. You've got to do something. I said, okay, this is what you should do. You should forgive. You should forgive, not forget. You should forgive and, and you should learn from it and you should get on with serving the Lord. No, but that wasn't good enough. But how can you? What this person did... 
What they didn't want to talk about was the fact that what happened was instigated by the wife who would spend a lot of time with this person even though Jane had offered time for coffee, counselling, whatever she needed to talk about but rejected that and spent time with this other person and then the the husband of that wife was really angry but the reason she spent time with the other person was because he was such a horrible, nasty, mean man doing not being not fulfilling his husband's rights right so i'm going wait a minute and 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 they got upset and it was obviously upset and and actually they never i never saw him again but the deal was they wanted justice not realizing and i'm not saying the other person was innocent he wasn't he was guilty but he was just as equally as guilty as they were you hear what i'm saying they wanted justice, but and they didn't want forgive. They want I think they wanted me to throw him out the church so they could come comfortably. But the truth is that would solve nothing. Because he was still a nasty man, unrepentant, and would be mean to his wife. Is me, his wife then, out of that situation, wouldn't seek friendship or counsel or prayer, or coffee with another lady, but would go to another man who she thought was caring and sympathetic and unlike her husband. Can you see the tangle there? When you start looking for justice instead of mercy. And if, if I had my time again, I, I, would, I would do it completely different. I would highlight the problem first and then talk about the situation. Because it was very, very clear, very, very obvious. And you know how long that couple lasted? It was only weeks. And she had to leave because she was threatening behaviour and they're divorced. Hate each other. And yet they were both willing to come together and point the finger at someone else. Now that guy was stupid and I told him so. But the deal is, the deal is this, uh, instead of seeking... Justice, maybe we should seek for mercy. Sounds a little bit like something I read the other week. I think Jesus might have said that. We should always, always be ready to forgive. And, and especially, that is a clear and simple verse, word that Jesus gave there. But for me, it's one of the most scariest verses I've seen in the Bible, I've ever read. Because I see so many, I know, it's just the way of the world, but I see so many, actually can I be honest with you, there's people who should be in church today, but aren't because they weren't prepared to forgive. In, in our short time here, I can't tell you how many times that's been the root cause of so many problems. People wanting justice instead of mercy. People wanting us to bring out a penalty in, instead of bring out healing and restoration. I, I love that boy. You know, I, I, won't, I, I believe one day he'll be marching up the front, but he'll be marching up the front to preach the gospel. I want him to love this church so much. That doesn't mean we accept rude behaviour, but that means we just keep loving him and, 
and encouraging his mother to bring him more and more. Not even listening, eating chips. Anyway, okay, so there's that thing. Um, what did I say? Um, forgive us our debts as we forgive debtors. That's, that's Jesus teaching us how to pray. He said, okay, Lord, forgive us as we forgive them. So many people. So simple, so obvious, so hard to do for so many people. So that forgiveness, that it's ours. It, it, it's something we can ask for. And, so, and then the third one, of course, is um, strength to face temptation. So that's Matthew 6, verse 13. I'll just read it very quickly. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Um, I, I don't want to get in the last bit, because, but it is connected, of course. These things are connected because of this. But, um, but that first part, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So um, the strength to face temptation. So that word temptation literally means tests. It means tests. We're being tested. We're being tempted. But it's not God. It's not God who tests. It's not God who tempts. Okay, we need to understand that. Um, I want to read 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Again, another thing that's so scary. There's so many people, they have victories and they get promotion and they stand in, in good places and, and because of that, there's a confidence about them. But, but the deal is we have to be careful even when we get confident because there's the opportunity for a great fall. We overcompensate. We, we're overcompensate. Verse 13 says, no, uh, no temptation has overcome you except what is common to man. Common. We're all tempted, tested. That's why we shouldn't judge other people. Because we're all tempted, we're all tested. It's, it's common to all of us. It, obviously, it looks different in every life because the enemy looks for those places where we're vulnerable. Right? He, he literally looks for those weaknesses, those little chips in the armor, that, that little gap, that little thing that we haven't dealt with, that thing that we haven't covered. He looks for that so he can get in. And what, once he gets in... Mate, that's where it all starts to happen. So, um, no temptation has overcome you that accepts such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. That's a great promise from God. Unfortunately, uh, it means we've got to do our bit. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So, so the deal is that we go through stuff and God allows it. He doesn't bring it or do it, but he allows it because he says, you're able to do this. He has more confidence in us than we have in ourselves. You're able to do this, but listen to the next part. But with that temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God says, okay, you're stronger than you think. 
But here's the deal. Even when you're starting to waver, there's always a way out. Here's the thing. We, we, we play games with temptation. We like to go as far as we can without crossing the line. Because we think we're pretty cool, you know, and, and, and there's a pleasure, there's an enjoyment that comes in. Whatever that tension, and it might be anything, could be anything, could be anything. But the deal is we all go through it, we all face it in different areas. So it's hard for us to point the finger at somebody else because we're going through it. It doesn't look like that, but we're going through it the same. It's common to all. And here's the thing, though, we when we go through it, God says, okay, you, you, you can handle this if, if you really will. If you want to, you can do this. But even when you're starting to waver a bit, there's a way out. But we don't take that way out. I don't know if it's pride. I, I don't know if it's, we're just enjoying the temptation so much. Because um, sometimes, you know, we get right to the very edge and we even like balance on the line. But if we're not careful, we'll fall over the line. I, I, that's why I like um, the supernatural gifts of Joseph. You know that one where Potiphar's wife came and there was incredible temptation. And a temptation that is common to all. In this case, it was the wife uh, who the deal was, um, was luring him in and said, it could be our secret, nobody will know. Uh, which is a lie. I, I was at a pastor's conference once, a, a leadership meeting, and it was John Lewis was speaking. God bless John. Uh, but the thing was, um, he told the guys, he said, you're told or, or, or you, you suspect that this is a secret no one will ever know. And he said, how many women you know are able to keep a really juicy secret like that? He said, you're kidding yourself. Yeah, well, that was Johnny. He was a bit rude, wasn't he, sometimes? But how true is that? We, we need the gift of Joseph, the spiritual gift of Joseph, because he ran away. He ran. He did get accused of it and, and judged on it and sentenced because of it, but he never did it. His heart was pure. He ran, though. He ran. Oh, that we, all of us, having recognised the temptation... And the dangers of it, when we start to feel like we're wavering, would run away. Oh, I think we need to spend a lot more time speaking on spiritual gifts, especially that one of running away. Whatever that is. It, it, it could be money. It could be gambling. It, it can be like as many people in this room, I'm sure it looks completely different to everybody who's here. So, the enemy targets us. Where, and I say to men, the most dangerous place for a man to be is in a place where he's bored. Got nothing to do. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Because that's where the enemy comes in. For women, I don't know if it's shopping on a credit card, I don't know. Comparing yourself with others. Coveting what others wives have I, I don't know but the deal is uh, we all face something 
but the enemy is aware of our vulnerable spots and he'll target them. But even then, even then, you know, just picture the scene. Potiphar's wife has got a hold of him. And, and she's making all the suggestions. No one will ever know. It's, you know, you're right, let's do this, you'll never get caught. So it's happening, it's happening. And what does he do? He jumps and runs away. Oh, that we would have that fear of God and run away from sin. Um, so I'll, with that, we need to understand that God says we're able, but even when you start to waver, I'll make a way out. We've got to be looking for the way out all the time. We've got to look for that escape route all the time. Uh, let's consider now, on top of that, James 1, 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Drawn away. Taking away from the safe places. You know, if you're busy, if, if you're about business and you're working hard and you're focused on that, it, it's a pretty safe place. But he waits for you to be tempted. He waits for you to be drawn away from the safe place. And then... It's your own desires. He's not put something in. He's seen what's in you and he works on what's in you already. Your desires. And then he entices that. And then 15 says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Here's, here's what I've seen. Not many cases people drop down dead, stop breathing. Right? But I've seen people, good people, people who were honourable, who've been enticed away from the safe place. And I've seen too many visions die instantly. Too many dreams, too much potential, too many skills, giftings, abilities. So many good works. And what's worse, those things that they were heading towards, their visions, their dreams, I've seen them die because a moment of, of weakness in their vulnerability, they've been enticed, and, and it's brought death. Not physically straight away, but it, it's, it's ended the life of the vision or the dream. It's ended their calling. It's end, ended what they were working towards. It's end up killing their marriages. It's end up killing their families. I, sadly, I just, when you've been around long enough, sadly, unfortunately, because of it, you're not surprised. But I remember in the early years, I was absolutely shocked at, at, at some of these things that died of, by people I really respected and looked up to and followed and went to their meetings and their conferences and was asking questions of and looking at and, and all of a sudden this stuff comes out and it's dead. I, and you just stick around and it happens quite regularly 
and, and of course, you, you know the big names, but a lot of young people with great potential go the same way. And it's scary. There was a stage in our early ministry where, where it had happened to a couple of people I really respected. And, and I thought, if, if they can't handle this, how can I? These great and godly men are doing great things for God. Not, not just in our state, but in our nation and in the world, doing wonderful, wonderful things, and, and yet they fell. And I was terrified. I thought, if they can't handle it, how can I handle it? In one way, the fear of God came into me and it, it, it sort of helped me to become a good runner. <laughs> I used to say it was the fear of Jane that kept me safe. But you know what it really was? The fear of, of ending that, the dreams that God had for our lives. The fear of hurting my family like I see it hurt other families. And, I'm, you know, the temptation is real and it's completely different no matter what it is. So we need to be watchful. And nobody knows but you what your desires are look like or sound like for some it's great ambition some it's pride some it's, it's finances it can so many varied things but nobody knows but you the areas where you're vulnerable and the desires you wrestle with my point is this if you'll spend time to recognize that then you need to keep a watch over it because interestingly in that verse, it talks about when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So the desire is there. The enticement comes. But then sin comes afterwards. If, if we can keep an eye on the things we know that we desire, then we can run away before it turns to sin. Does that make sense? We need to, do, we need to be very watchful over our own lives. We know there is forgiveness. Part of that is repentance. You understand the meaning of the word repentance means to turn around and go the other way. It's best when we repent before sin comes along. If we can turn around before sin is birthed. The desire is there. And, and the enticement is there, but if we can turn around before it turns to sin, I'll say it's best. Probably the better word is it's, it's not hurtful to others, which, which is the tragedy. How many children do you know? Lives are messed up big time because what, what happened to their parents? I remember, um, and I'll be honest, there was a time before we started ministry, but we knew God was calling us, we were working with the children's ministry, that we were brought out here uh, to a training camp at, at the, where Jane's holding her conference, actually. What's it called, Jane? The Outlook. The Outlook. And, and it was a government-run thing, and so there's all these secular people, and because we were working with street kids, we, we were paid to go, so we came. And uh, we did all these activities designed 
deliberately to expose things and to connect you with people. And then one night we was in the dark room um, developing some photos we'd taken and, and a woman came straight on to me. And, and Jane knows this, I told her almost immediately. Uh, and she made very, very clear what she wanted. And, and even new scripture. Because she said, I know you want it too. And the thing is, in your religion, you're already guilty because you want it. So why don't you just come through and go the whole way? And I tell you what, rather than that tempting me, it scared the life out of me. And I'll tell you why. Because in that very moment, that, that suggestion was, I thought, if this will ruin my marriage, my family, my ministry. The reason that God had brought Jane and me together was according to his purposes. And, and if I, I, I tell you, I broke into a cold sweat and left. I wish, I, I wish, I hope I can say at, when I'm standing before God, I was very good at running away. <laughs> and that I never have to go. But the biggest thing that turned my head away was the fear of her hurting and, and Jane and the girls and, and the f- knowing that this would end anything God was about to do. In her. And we weren't pastors yet. We weren't even thinking of that. But God was preparing us in, this, in a ministry with street kids. And, and that one moment, weakness, could have ruined my whole future. We need to be aware of where we're vulnerable, of... of our desires so that we can watch over it and be jealous over it and protect it, even if it means running away. We need to be turning away before it even becomes sin. Can I pray for us now? So, Father, in this season where we're beginning to dare to dream bigger things than we ever have before, when we're starting to believe that it's actually possible, when we're starting to know that you're actually working on behalf to make it become a reality in this season. And I know it's not just the life of this church, but the life of the church members, the people who make up the church, same thing's happening. So I pray for each and every one of us, even those who aren't listening tonight, even those who who at this point will probably not hear this message, but I pray for us and for them that by your spirit we will start to watch over. We will realise and be honest with ourselves and, and even our spouses about those areas where we're vulnerable or weak, And we will be like guards on the wall and watch over it carefully. That that nothing will be damaged. No one will be harmed and, and the dreams, the visions won't die. Lord, by your spirit now, make it very conscious. So, Lord, I ask your blessing, your protection and your provision over us and our loved ones right now. 
And I pray that we will continue to grow in the knowledge of our God. I pray for everyone that hears this message, that by your spirit, you will help them to discern, help them to understand what they really need to hear from you. So like on the day of Pentecost, while it might sound like speaking in tongues to some, many will hear it in their own dialect, in their own understanding. I ask this in Jesus' name and everybody said. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at pacifentchristianchurch.com.